Hey, this is Candace Pringle, lead pastor of FE Church, and this is our podcast. What's up? Morning. Woo! And I'm excited to be up here, all right? As uh, Chris is saying, this is my first time. My name is Isaiah Stoddard. I'm the youth pastor here at Freedom Valley and, of course, the Mother's Day thing, all right? Uh, well, you said it, mo- Happy Mother's Day 50 million times. My mother is actually joining us online, so I just want to say Happy Mother's Day, Mom. I love you. Thank you for watching. My sister, she's with uh, she's with my mom right now, so they're both watching. Hi, Dad, Mel. And there's another special thing going on today, okay? Does anyone remember my brother, Jeremiah Stoddard? He preached here a few months ago. Yes. Um, it's his birthday today. Can we give him a happy birthday real quick? Happy birthday, Jerry. I'm not sure if he is watching. He's over in Africa, but if he is, happy birthday, bro. All right, so today's kind of my debut, as it were. Some of you might not know me. You might think I'm, you might think of me. He's the new youth pastor, okay? So allow me to introduce myself a little bit, a little bit about me, okay? I grew up in Virginia, all right? Uh, middle of three, so I have issues, but I've, I've dealt with them, hopefully. Yeah, middle of three, my dad, missions pastor, my mom, stay-at-home mom, okay? Uh, Newport News, Virginia, not far from Virginia Beach. Um, so my, like, coming to God story, uh, not, not the, not the typical, I, frankly, I can't remember a time where I didn't believe, um, where I didn't have a relationship with God. I, I do remember, I do remember a moment really young, okay, I, I give, uh, thanks to God for this, but, uh, really young where the thought in my head is, is this me or is this my parents' faith? And so, uh, this was before I was 10. So I, I began to work through that. It didn't take long. And since then, I've owned my faith and I've believed. You know, there's been ups, there's been downs, but I'm a Christian. I will continue to be till the day I die. It's just who I am. That is my identity. I am Christian. And so more about background. How did I end up in PA? Uh, recession hit. Okay, dad lost his job at the church. Um, we moved to New Jersey for a little bit. Then we came here. Yeah, New Jersey. Tommy back there, he actually is from uh, where my dad pastored in Jersey. So he kind of followed us here. And he's been a good friend for a very long time. So yeah, recession hit. Uh, Pastor Jerry, who spoke last week, good friend of my dad, um, offered my dad a job here. Some of you might know my dad. Some of you might have heard my dad. He pastored here for a number of years. And uh, now he is up in Pennsylvania. So that's how I got here. I got plugged in. Okay. Um, if you were in any services between like 2010 and 15, I would be back there where the sound booth used to be. Okay. I was the sound guy and the sound people are the people with the real power in this room. I might have the mic. They don't have to let me. There you go. See, uh, Candace, uh, I think it was Candace. It was either Candace or Jason. Let's say Candace. Uh, I think it was her. They were, they were up here one time. They threw a little bit of shade, jokingly, of course, we're friends in the booth and I, and I muted her. <laughs> Sucker. Yeah, it was fun. So I did that for a few years. Um, through that, me and Aaron became great friends. He's still one of my best friends. And, um, and I served in the youth. From middle school to high school as I was here, uh, I served under Luke, uh, doing sound and really whatever he needed, uh, Candace's younger brother, and as well as Jason, who I'm sure most of you know. Um, Jason's a good friend of mine. I entered 
under him for a while because my family, you might have heard my dad was a missions pastor. Missions runs in my family. It's something that is deep. It's something that we're passionate about. Both my mom and dad were in YWAM. My brother, as I said, he's in Africa right now during missions. My sister lived in Sweden for a very long time, the serving SOS. She still wants to go back. My heart is Egypt. I love Egypt. So after I graduated high school, I went to a ministry school for a year. And uh, then a few years later, 2019, I interned in uh, Cairo, Egypt for the summer. It was amazing. I think about it pretty much every week. Not a week that goes by that I don't miss that place. Year after that, married my wife. Uh, hi. Yeah, she's cool. Her name's Katie. She's kind of introverted, so try not to scare her. <laughs> she's friendly. She's friendly. It's okay. But yeah, that's, uh, that's a little bit about who I am. Never saw myself as a youth pastor. As I said, saw myself as a missionary. So I began uh, trying to find a way to get back uh, to doing missions. So I thought... Electrical, you know, electrical is pretty much, I can do that anywhere in the world. So I began doing that for a while and it was okay. Let's just say I'm not gifted in it, but I was learning. All right. I was learning. It was hard. Um, and then Jay, Jason Hollenbeck, he announced that he was, uh, stepping down as youth pastor. And there was the nagging thought in my head, like, Oh, they might ask me. It's like, Ugh. It's like, so I, apparently I wasn't the only one. My wife, we were driving home one, t- one night. She's like, what are you going to do if they ask you to be the youth pastor? I'm like, I'm not a youth pastor. I'm not going to be the youth pastor. No, that's not going to happen. And of course it happened. <laughs> they, they pulled me in the back. They're like, what do you think about being a youth pastor? I'm like, oh, I saw this coming. I don't want to in the back of my mind, but then like, it was a short conversation. It was like, I'm doing this. And then the spirit welled up and it's like, you know, you know, like, okay, okay. So I left and I am a youth pastor, much to my surprise. And for the people who know me, they're like, they let you near the kids. I'm like, yeah, it's awesome. It's great. We have a good time. The youth, the, oh man, those guys, those youth are something. I'll tell you what, love them. Drive me crazy sometimes. So when Candace asked me to preach, I was like, yes, okay. My dad has been on this stage. My brother has been on this stage. Now I get to be on this stage. Thank you, Freedom Valley Church, for blessing my family. I really appreciate it. You guys have been good to us over the years. And now I get to serve you guys, and I'm super excited. So she asked me, and she told me, uh, will you speak? I'm like, okay, sure. She's like, it's made new. That's the that's the topic. I'm like, okay. She's like, yeah, I left it kind of broad. I'm like, all right, I'll go into it. So I started thinking, thinking, combing through my knowledge. Made new. What, what verses do I know? And then after like five minutes of thinking, I'm like, God will give it to me. You don't got to think too hard about it. And you know, like this, the churchy answer that seems like the cop out, but it's actually like the way it works. And so I go to bed that night, wake up the next morning, and literally I open my eyes and bam, a passage from Romans went through my head. I'm like, that's it. All right. Thanks, God. That's it. So Romans, what's going on in the book of Romans? Let me give you some context. It was written by Paul. Later, uh, before known as Saul, but he didn't change his name. Okay. Paul is just the Roman, his Roman name. So Paul, he, um, is nurturing and speaking into a church in Rome. And this church, not, not going so hot. Okay. Oh, I forgot to mention 57 AD, history, history buffs, 
history buffs. Paul wrote this letter in 57 AD, 27 years after Jesus' death. So what was going on in Rome? So the Jews in Rome have been exiled by whatever leader of Rome, whatever, whoever the emperor was of Rome. So they've been exiled for five years, but now they were allowed to return. So along with the Jews came Christian converts uh, who are Jews. And so they came back after five years and entered into a church that has very much been transformed and it's a Gentile church, Gentile meaning non-Jewish, so devoid of all the Jewish customs, didn't sit well with the Christian Jews. So tension, fights rose up. And so Paul wrote the letter of Romans to unite the body. How did he unite it in the book of Romans? Well, he went over the book of uh, the book. He went over God's gospel, over Jesus' gospel, over God's entire plan throughout the Old Testament into what Jesus had done on the cross, how it applies to the Old Testament law, and how both Jew and Gentile are now grafted into the New Testament, into the New Covenant, okay? And he goes on to explain how the church will be united through love and serving each other given to them by God. So that's the book of Romans. That's the context so you guys understand what the book of Romans is all about, all right? So the specific passage that ran through my head was Romans 12, 1 through 2, okay? So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there, all right? I have it written down here, but I brought my Bible up because I like to fling it, use it as an object lesson, all right? And so this is what it says, Romans 12, 1 through 2. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. That is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. So it might not seem like this on the outset, okay? But this is a meaty two verses. There's a lot in there, okay? And in these two verses is the layout of the Christian journey, is how I've phrased it, the Christian journey. So you might say, what's that? What's the Christian journey, okay? Allow me to show you. Let me show you what the Christian journey is, starting in verse 1. Let me tear this down for you. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. A living sacrifice. All right, let's not forget who Paul's writing to. Paul's writing to old old school Jews, some um, Gentiles, okay, still long time ago. Sacrifice, not foreign to any of them. They know what sacrifice is, okay? Especially the Jews, who have been practicing it since the Old Testament, the, the um, Old Testament laws of sacrifice. And for us, as modern believers, when we read sacrifice, it should bring to mind the Old Testament sacrifices that took place, okay? And even as modern readers, this statement should make us kind of pause, I'm sure it did for those who were hearing it read to them as the letter was uh, arrived in Rome. A living sacrifice. 
Paul, sacrifices are sacrificed. If a living thing is to be sacrificed, it's slain. It's dead. What are you, what are you saying? What's a living sacrifice? All right. So when a thing was sacrificed, surprisingly, it was a one-time thing. You couldn't sacrifice an animal twice. Why? It was already dead. Can't sacrifice the dead thing twice, okay? So a living sacrifice is a presented sacrifice, a free will sacrifice that stays in that place. The, the uh, idea, image of a sacrifice, uh, say a lamb brought to the altar, and instead of being like slit throat, blood on the altar, it's like the lamb stays there. That is what we do with our bodies, okay? It's not a one-time deal. It's an ongoing sacrifice. We give our bodies over in service to God, in service to the Holy Spirit. Not just for a time, but permanently. We're to give our bodies over to God and everything that's associated with our bodies, okay? Whether that be your identity, desires, your actions, all of these things that come with our body are to be sacrificed and given over to God. For our body, it's not even ours to begin with. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, 19, 19 through 20 says this. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. For God has brought you, bought, bought, not brought. For God has bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. Who do our bodies belong to? God. Yeah, kind of. See, I'm a youth pastor, okay? They do, you gotta get, you gotta keep their attention. It's hard sometimes, all right? Right? Uh, wait, I don't see the ones on the camera that I felt like making fun of, but they're back there somewhere. Ella, Aaron, Sam, all right? You guys know what I mean. Yes, our bodies belong to God. We are temples of the Holy Spirit. Once you've placed your faith in Jesus, you are filled with the Spirit. And when we sacrifice our bodies in service to the Holy Spirit, what happens? What's the result? The result, actually, we're going to... Rewind a little bit, actually, to the Old Testament, to the Old Testament prophet Ezekiel. He prophesied about this. He prophesied about this in Ezekiel 36, 27. And this is what he says. And I will put my spirit in you. Why? So that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. Other places, uh, actually, it might be the verse before that, um, where it says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. I will place a new heart and a new spirit within you, one that desires God's decrees and his rev and his regulations. All right. So the result of us sacrificing our body over to the Holy Spirit is our desire to follow God's decrees and regulations and the actions that flow out of that desire. This is what results in our sacrifice. 
And, uh, and the, and the typical thought is, okay, avoiding sin. That's, that's it. And yes, you know, obviously that is part of it, but it's not like the whole picture, okay? Yes, avoiding sin, staying away from that. And it also includes engaging our bodies in the duties of worship. What were we doing earlier? We were worshiping God. We were praising Him. That's one of the spiritual disciplines, all right? Prayer, praising Him, reading Scripture, studying this Word. That's why I brought it up here. Studying the Word, all right? We're to be God's instruments, doing what is right for the glory of God. And in this sacrifice of our bodies, all that we are, as we give that over to God, this is how we truly worship God. It says, this is true worship. Other, other, um, versions of the Bible say it that way. This is your true worship. Drink some water, talking a lot. Continuing to verse two. All right. So, so that's the first. First verse, we sacrifice our bodies, sacrifice it over to the will and desires of the Spirit. Out of that flows the desire to follow God's decrees and His commands. And out of that flows our actions. All right, verse 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. How do you know if you're copying the behaviors and customs of the world? Question makes sense. It's not always easy. All right. By knowing what this says. Knowledge of God's word that's how you know if you're following the behaviors and patterns of this world, okay? If you have views, opinions, feelings that contradict what this word says, if you have actions in your life that are consistent, okay, that contradict what this word says is the right way to live and act, that is how you know if you're following the behaviors and the patterns of this world. It's just a little white lie. They don't matter. Wrong. Well, you just have to test the product before you buy it. That's a sex metaphor. Wrong. My parents have to earn my respect. Wrong. Honor your father and mother. Honor is a higher term than respect. Wrong. I am a gay Christian. Wrong. I feel like a woman or a man, so I am wrong. This is our source of truth, and anything that contradicts, anything that goes against it, is wrong. It is not living up to the holy nature that we are called to as believers. We are called to more. There is a standard that we are called to, and not following it, We aren't meeting what God has made us to be. We're falling short. It's wrong on its face. And no contortionist act 
of you trying to rationalize how you view things versus how the Bible view things, any failings or behaviors, none of that will change the truth. Now, let me pause here, okay? Truth is to be met with love and grace. I'm not using this as a sword to strike down all you heathens. For those of you who are struggling with those things, those of you who are struggling with the sins laid out in the word, there is grace for that. The Bible says that Jesus' death on the cross, his blood, what does it do? It covers a multitude of sins. If there are people in here wrestling with God on these issues, I want to assure you that is okay. Continue to wrestle with him. The image that should come to our minds, those who know this word, is Jacob wrestling with God. I'm pretty sure it was Jacob. Oh my God, that'd be horrible if I said the wrong thing. Pretty sure it's Jacob if it's not. But that's the image that we should get. All right? We don't come to God perfect. We come broken and sinful human beings. That is blank. That's the blanket. That's the truth. All right? So continue to wrestle. You will come to a conclusion. So I've heard stories of people who have come to God and the desires and the sinful natures of their life are broken off. And there, that is amazing. And we thank God for that. But that is not the case for every single believer. For some of us, these will be struggles that we deal with until we receive our new bodies on the other side. Continuing to wrestle leads to a conclusion. And you will receive that conclusion one day. If not in this life, then the next. All right. I want to talk more so to the Christians who seemingly have no conflict. They might have wrestled with God on these issues for a time, but instead of choosing a side, they decided to have their cake and eat it too, as the saying goes. To those Christians in here that aren't wrestling with God on the things inside that this word says is wrong, that have instead decided that they can hold on to their views, opinions, feelings, and actions that contradict God's words and still be considered a Christian, you cannot have both. You must choose a side. Or you will go to hell with anyone who does not believe. All right. Now, I know that sounds harsh. I can back it biblically. I always say that to the teens whenever I have to say something really, really hard that like cuts to the core. I can back it biblically, all right? Romans, not Romans, Revelation 3.16. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. That's not an endearing term. We have to choose this world or Jesus. There is no in-between. The in-between is choosing a side. As Christians, we cannot copy the behaviors, the customs of this world. Instead of copying the behaviors and customs, what are we to do? Instead, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. 
Others translations phrase it as renewing your mind. That's kind of like, it's kind of like what I went for. All right. That's the one I grew up hearing. Not exactly the NLT, but renewing your mind, changing the way you think. Same thing. Don't get confused. So how do we let God transform us by renewing our minds? Well, these two verses go together. It starts with the first part. We give our body over to God. It is his to begin with. We give it over as a sacrifice, a permanent sacrifice, a living sacrifice. We give everything over to him. What does this result in? This results in our desires becoming the desires of the Holy Spirit. To follow God's decrees and regulations. This isn't just avoiding sin. As I said, it includes the, our desire to engage our body in the does, in the duties of worship, in the spiritual disciplines, prayer, praise, reading the Bible. These are examples of these things. Okay. This is what results in our bodies being a sacrifice in that fellowship with God, spending time with Him. In these times, this is where God does His work. He begins to transform us in these times, to change the way we think. In these times, he renews our minds. Some of us, our minds have grown old. We've given our bodies over to God for a time, but as time went on, we didn't remain there permanently. We began to take little pieces back. And what, and what results in this? Our desires for the things of the Spirit, for the things of God, our desires to be in His Word, our desires to spend time with Him, those things began to fade. And what was once renewed has now become old again. The danger is, in the spiritual, things can become old so quickly before you even know it. The devil's great at that, just distracting you. And the before you know it, how did I get so far? My mind is not renewed anymore. It's decaying. That's why it's so important that that sacrifice of our body remain permanent, that we remain there at the foot of the altar, that we give ourselves completely over to God and don't begin to start picking and choosing the things that we want to take back. That we stay in a place and surrender to God because the renewing of our mind as the sacrifice of our bodies, these are both ongoing processes. All right, the renewing of our mind is a process that is maintained by the Holy Spirit. We must continue to let the Holy Spirit change the way we think to, excuse me, to renew our minds. And then what happens? We will know, we, we will begin to learn to know God's will for us which is good and pleasing and perfect. Can you put up Romans 2 up there again? There you go. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. What is God's will? It's good and pleasing and perfect. That, that isn't his will in and of itself, describing his will. But yes, we will begin to know God's will for us. You will begin to gain a new understanding of God. You will begin to know Him. 
What is it that we are as Christians? What makes us different? We have a relationship with God. What is a relationship if you do not know him? This is how we begin to know him. If you're in this room and you don't know God's will and you desire to, don't put the cart before the horse as the saying goes. Go back to the first step. Have you surrendered yourself completely to God to be used by him? If you have, then have you given him the time? Have you put yourself in a place where God has the opportunity to begin to renew your mind? Or are there patterns and behavior of the world that you're still holding on to? If you've given all that to God, if you've sacrificed your body to God, if you are no longer holding on to the behaviors and customs of this world, if you have given God the time to renew your mind, then be patient. It's coming. Things don't happen in a snap in Christianity for the most part, okay? Every now and then you hear the story, as I said earlier, for some people when they come to God, addiction's broken. This isn't always the case. And as we begin to give ourselves to God, it isn't an, a complete understanding of his will right away. As I said, the sacrifice, the renewing of our mind, ongoing processes, more will begin to be, will begin to be revealed. I encourage you guys to be in here. You do not know everything. You have not read this book front to back and understood all that it has to offer. This book is the continuous and endless revelation of God. It's been spoken. This book has been used in countless sermons every single Sunday for the past 2,000 years. It's not always the same sermon. This book is alive and it will change your life if you give it the time. So I encourage you guys, if you have done these things, be patient. You will, you will begin to learn the will of God. You will begin to know who God is. You will begin to understand the things of God. You will know his will for you. The renewing of the mind is an ongoing process. At the beginning of this message, I said that in these two verses is the layout of the Christian journey. The Christian journey is sanctification. Sanctification is a churchy word. Maybe you've never heard it before. Okay? But it's an important one in Christianity. It's our journey. Sanctification is the process of making something holy. Why is it important that we become holy? God commands us to become holy throughout Scripture. Multiple times. Read uh, Leviticus especially. Why do these things? Be holy for I am holy. 1 Peter 1, 15-16 But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. We must become holy. Why? It's up there. Read it. Read it. Because I am holy. Because God is holy. That's right. It's okay. We must become holy because God is holy. And in these two verses, it lays out how this process takes place in the life of a Christian. We give ourselves completely over to God as a complete and perfect sacrifice that is acceptable to God. 
We don't come perfect. He makes us perfect. Clear that up. We give ourselves completely over to God as a continuous living sacrifice. In this, our desires become the desires of the Holy Spirit. And and in the time spent with Him, the resulting of, of our desires being given and being taken over by the Holy Spirit, in this time that results, the time with God, in our worship, He renews our mind, changing the way we think. And this transforms us into a new person. The Greek word for transform used here, could you go back to Romans 12.2 again? Let them be a living... No, sorry. There we go. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is... No, no, where is it? But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. That word transform... It's not commonly used, the, the Greek word, okay? We, we, have tra- we have it translated as transform. You'll see transform throughout the Bible. But the specific Greek word used here, not used very often throughout Scripture. Most notably, it's used in Matthew 17 to describe the transfiguration of Jesus. If you guys don't know the story, the disciples go up onto the mountain, a few disciples go up onto the mountain with Jesus, and there they describe it, his face shone as white and his body completely transformed. And he was as bright as a sun, I guess. Maybe that's not quite what it says, but his face was shown so bright and his body completely transformed. That it does say. The image that we are to get here in Romans 12 when he uses this specific phrase is of the believer going through a metamorphosis. A completely new creation is the result. A holy creation that resembles Jesus. Why? Because he's holy. This is the journey of a Christian. The word Christian means little Christ. Through the process of sanctification, we are made new into the image of Jesus Christ. We become a little Christ. That is our journey. And this is how we get there. You guys will go ahead and bow your heads with me. I want to give you an opportunity to respond to this. If there are those of you in this room who have given yourselves over to God, your body is a sacrifice, but over the years you have begun to take pieces back. And you want to sac- and you want to be in that place of sacrifice again, please raise your hand. I would love to pray over you this morning. Thank you. You can go ahead. If there are those of you in this room who you have given your body over as a sacrifice to God, but you haven't given him the time to begin to transform your mind, I want to pray for you as well. Can you please raise your hand? I would love to pray for you this morning. Go ahead and put them down. I see you. God, I pray for these people. Any person in this place who has begun to take place to begun has begun to take pieces back, God. 
that their actions do not completely reflect the things of you, how they go about their work does not reflect you, Jesus. I pray, God, that you have an intervention, that this is their intervention, that as they leave this place, they will be changed, that they will be mindful of how they use their body. Jesus, let them be changed. Let them be a living sacrifice permanently at that altar, ready to be used by you, God. I pray over those in this room, Jesus, who have not given the time to have their mind renewed, Jesus. I thank you, God, that they have put themselves in the place of sacrifice. I pray, Jesus, that you will do a work in their heart, in their mind, to give them and let them know that they do have the time and that they make it non-negotiable. That they present themselves to you so that you can do your renewing work inside of their mind, God. I pray also for anyone in this room, God, who is struggling with the behaviors and patterns of this world and that they are not congruent, that they do not agree Maybe that's right. That they do not agree with what is in this book. I pray, Jesus, that that will become a wrestling match and that you will subdue it, God, and that you will lead them in holy living, God, for we are called to be holy. This is what it means to be Christian, to be holy, to be a representation of you. Do a work in their life, Holy Spirit. Come alive with inside them and change them on the inside out. Give them the new spirit. Give them the new heart, God, that allows them, Jesus, to not be controlled by their sinful nature. Allow them to run to you, God. Let their desires be of you. Change them now, I pray in Jesus' name. If there is anyone in this room who does not know Jesus, I would love to give you the opportunity today. If you guys do not know Jesus and you want this Jesus to sanctify you, make you new, change you, so that you can live a life worth living. Please raise your hand. I would love to tell you what that's all about. Is there anyone in the room like this? All right, you can go ahead. You can lower your hands. For those of you in the room like this, you want to give your life over to God. The Bible says, if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. I encourage you to follow along in just these words. If you don't know what to say, I encourage you, pray your own words. Talk to God. Let it be your own. But if you do not even know what the words are to say, I encourage you to repeat after me. God, I am sinful. Please forgive me. I know my sins and I repent of them. Lead me, God, in a new life. Transform me. I believe that you died on the cross, that you are God. Send your spirit inside of me, Jesus, to give me a new heart and a new spirit so that I can, so that I can obey you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. That word repentance that I used, for those of you who don't know what that means, God commands us to repent. Repentance is a genuine sorrow, an expression of sorrow of the, of the wrongdoings of any sin in our life. I encourage you to not keep that bottle up. I don't, it doesn't have to be with anyone, okay? If you are in your quiet time and you are praying to God, I encourage you, lay it out before Him. Give it off your chest. Give it over to Him. There's grace for that. He loves you. He will forgive a repentant heart. 
Thank you guys for giving me this opportunity to bring this word today. Thank you guys for blessing my family. Thank you for blessing me, allowing me to serve you guys, allowing me to serve your youth. I hope I'll be doing it for some time to come. Thank you guys. Happy Mother's Day. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, please let us know by going to fv.church slash I am in. And remember to download our app for more content and helpful links.